I want to um, just say thanks for being here today. Great to see you. And um, welcome to our online church family. And we have consistently uh, wanted to specifically greet and welcome our Destiny Table, New York, part of our family there in Oneonta, New York. Um, and it's really wonderful because they're typically online with us and the main family that's leading the charge for the Destiny Table New York, their names are David and Mary Deerig, and they have four children. Two of their girls, Juliet and Cora, um, it's their birthday month and they did a little birthday trip. And in asking where you want to go, Juliet said, I'd like to go to Oklahoma and see the church that we see on the screen all the time. And so would you welcome the Deerig family right here on the front row, Destiny Table, New York, here in, in the house. We sure love you guys. So glad you're here. It's a long trip, I know. It's great. Um, well, we, um, there's something about just coming together like this, isn't there, that's significant in the heart of the Lord. It's why we're told to explore a deeper sense of communi community and communion and connection. Uh, forsake not your assembling, uh, the assembling of yourselves together. There's a reason for all of that. And when we gather like this, when we come together in a deeper sense of community, growing relationally together, uh, the enemy is more readily defeated in our lives. Can I get an amen? Uh, you know, there's just something of the kingdom that begins to break forth with greater momentum. So I want to just ask you to mark it down. August the 10th, we're going to do a worship night. We just want to come experience the Lord together in a uniquely specific designated time. We'll be going uh, in that season, coming back into the school year, declaring over our students. How many of you know we need to pray for our schools? Just allow every school zone you ever drive through to be a prayer zone. When you slow down, just pray. Just begin to cover. How many of you know there's power in a release of prayer? And so uh, we just want to take that time on that Wednesday, uh, the 10th, and just release God's Word together in a place of worship and prayer. And we'll be, uh, of course, online with that as well. But what we're going to do today, I have a, a few things in regard to uh, overall what I feel like is the assignment of the Lord. But I want us to continue. We're going to take just a few more weeks in this particular season of algorithm. And then we're going to step into a new season that we're starting to discern the timing for, and we're asking the Lord for that again rather than trying to do, you know, nice packaged marketable series that we advertise and structure like a consumer strategy would of building a company. We want to just cooperate with the heart of the Father, and we're learning what that really looks like. So rather than packaging a series, we want to just discern the season. So we've been in this season for a while. There's been some real impartation, I think, in all of our hearts uh, in what the algorithm idea really is. It's about the unseen realm that affects us, not just in the digital age, in the natural, though there are many things taking place when you start talking about something that you want to buy, all of a sudden it starts showing up in advertisements. Those are algorithms that are helping you become the person some company wants you to become. But in the supernatural, this realm exists, and um, there are unseen contributors that really help us draw our conclusions and make our decisions, and we need to pay close attention to what those unseen contributors are in the spirit realm. How many of you know we're not human beings having a, a spiritual experience? We are actually spiritual beings having a human experience. We're all going to live for eternity. And making a decision for Christ determines where we live for all eternity. So it is very important that we live our lives with eternal priorities as our main focal point. 
So this is this process of becoming as we get into the Word and we spend time together. Uh, would you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8? It's where we're going to go uh, today in, in Scripture. But as we get into the Word and we go deeper in the things of God, things within us begin transacting. We begin to be more transformed into the glorious image of God, into the people he's called us to become. Uh, we're not just sons and daughters of God through the blood of Christ. We actually are sons and daughters of God in the process of becoming more who God designed and desires for us to become. How many of you know you're not a finished work? Uh, though Jesus finished the work, he is at work within us, drawing us into the deeper purposes that he has planned. And so where you are today is not where you should be spiritually one year from now. You should be growing in deeper understanding of these things. And that's what this is referencing. The key verse we've looked at each week in this, John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons and daughters of God. You have the power to become sons and daughters of God. This power of becoming is this incredible process uh, that exists within you. You can spiritually digest the realities of God, and it causes you then to be transformed more into his image. You're becoming more. You, you walk in a deeper humility of Christ. You then start to possess a greater authority of God. You can walk into areas, spiritually speaking, and affect the spiritual climate in entire regions if you get your heart positioned before the Lord your God. How many of you know who, when the sons and daughters of God show up in the earth, things begin to change? This is important that we understand because it silences the work of the enemy when we're walking in that kind of humility that produces authority. I, I posted this last week. We should pursue the humility of Christ that releases the authority of God without ever trying to pursue authority. In other words, it's the pursuit of the humility of the Lord that just releases it. That's the result. And so many times in the kingdom of God, we get this wrong. We start chasing the result when we should be chasing the pursuit. How many of you know the Bible says, give and it'll be given to you, good measure, press it down, so you can get the run over? Isn't that a beautiful verse? The problem is we start chasing the running over money part, and that's actually not the pursuit. The pursuit is a generous nature of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. What are we doing? The pursuit becomes the result. We get confused about all of this, and the Lord's wanting to straighten that out and just posture our hearts. How many of you know Jesus is enough? Jesus is the way. Jesus isn't the way to the stuff you really want. Jesus is the way, period. He's like who you should really want. And when you get that positioned right and you allow him to deal with your heart, to, to posture you there, we stop chasing things that are distractions uh, from really our destiny. And so today I'm going to talk to you. I, I'm, I'm going to have to just move beyond logic and understanding. And, and I, I'm, I'm a communicator and I love to bring things into understandable perspectives. But I'm just going to tell you that today I'm going to say some things that I simply don't understand and you're not going to understand. You can't comprehend some of these things that God wants to reveal. We'll get, a, we'll get some sense of clarity and guidance and direction, but the bottom line, there's some things that have to happen in our lives spiritually. Did you know your imagination can't even contain the dreams of God he desires to awaken in your spirit because your imagination is not big enough? You understand what I'm saying? Intellectually, you cannot contain everything God wants you to contain, so you cannot expect to understand everything that God's called you to contain because your spirit actually has this, this eternal capacity of interacting with God that takes you well beyond your mind. It's good to have understanding, but the Bible says pray in the spirit and pray with understanding. There's some things you're not going to understand. 
So I'm going to address a little bit of that today as I talk to you about, and we've waited in this season for a while until we kind of got a, a little bit of a foundation of, to build on, but I want to talk to you about algorithms of eternity today. Algorithms of eternity. If you're going to be led by the Spirit of God, it'll only happen because your mind has been renewed by the Word of God to be in touch with the mind of God. Not that you're going to figure out the mind of God. How many of you know God's smarter than we are? I mean, how stupid is that? <laughs> like, he's smarter than we are. Like, you, you can get in touch with the mind of God, and he reveals certain things to you at certain times that you need to be aware of. I mean, just amazing, the, the interaction that we have. And here's the thing that we're just going to press on this really hard today to try and get an understanding. I want to make sure I'm reading my notes here because there's something here. I don't know what in the world. I wrote something else, you know. How many of you know, sometimes you just need to have a moment with yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of funny what I'm working to figure out. Our perspective is inferior. <laughs> Our perspective is inferior. His perspective is superior. How many of you know we need to embrace the superior wisdom of God? And when we do so, we'll abandon the inferior wisdom of man. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. And I want you just to notice something. I'm going to actually start with the very final verse I'm going to read. It won't be on the screen correctly because I didn't tell him I was going to do this. But this famous verse that you all have heard. How many of you have quoted it before? If God be for us, then who can be against us? Let's say it all together. If God be for us, then who can be against us? Oh, man, there's a powerful statement, isn't it? But that's not the whole verse. The verse actually says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? These things, what things? What then shall we say in response to what things? And that's what I want us to understand. That's what I want us to figure out. It's an important element that's being revealed in Scripture. We're going to start in verse 28 of Romans chapter 8. And it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Is that you? I'm going to ask each of you this individual question and you to respond out loud. Is that you? You love him and you're called according to his purpose. All things are working together for the, I mean, this is another one of those quotables. But then it's these verses that are sandwiched in between the two quotables that most people just kind of bypass. And we have a lot of flurry and conversation and interaction over this idea of predestination and what that really means. All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things, not some things, not the things you can comprehend and understand. All things. How many of you have made mistakes before? Just raise your hand if you've ever made a mistake. Your mistakes are working together for your good do you understand all things that's why I feel today we've just got to break condemnation and this idea that I've made a mistake and I've missed it and now woe is me what's gonna happen all things like it didn't surprise God when you blew it for the 50 190th time over and over and over all things work it. Now, what happens is we start to learn to live by the Spirit and we blow it less and less. But I know what it is to blow it. How about you? 
I know what it is to blow it over and over. How about you? I know what it is to blow it so many times, I've finally just kind of had a blowout, you know. But God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above and beyond, and draw us into the deeper purposes of God and point out to us all things, everything is working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Come on, let's do, clap it in. Let's agree. Let's release this today together as a family. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, here's where we start using some language. Most of us just skip. How many of you know God foreknows you? He foreknew you. This is past tense. I want you to pay attention to how much past tense is in the text and actually overall in Scripture. And it tells us something about the nature of God. For those God foreknew, past tense, he also predestined, past tense, to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Here again, a lot of past tense. And those he predestined, he also called. Those called, he also justified. This already happened. Do you understand? He also justified and glorified you. I don't know if you understand, but the Bible actually says before God formed you in the womb, he knew you. Jeremiah chapter 1. Before God knew you in the womb, uh, before God formed you in the womb, he knew you, and it says he called you and he appointed you in that scripture. Past tense. He, before you were born, he called you and he appointed you. Well, what that means, you have to understand, before you were born, before you came into physical existence, you actually existed before you existed. I mean, that's kind of crazy. But before he formed you and fashioned you into the physical existence, he knew you, he appointed you, he called you, he predestined you. I mean, this is wild. You existed before you existed. I don't know if you get it, but like Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. We're talking about that stuff now, that, pre, that past tense stuff. If Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world and you existed before you existed, then you were actually fixed before you were broken, so you're absolutely without excuse. All you have to do is accept Christ. I, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? This is wild. This is beyond understanding. I, I, by his stripes, you were healed. What? He's an amazing God. He functions in a timeline that's beyond our wildest capacity of understanding because you and I are stuck in time, but God is not. All that's very important because that's what leads up to then verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? Like, God's beyond your wildest imagination. He's done all this work before you ever came into being. And now we exist in, 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 in the existence of our lives. And we want to talk him out of why he's called us to do certain things. We want to explain away because of the mistakes we've made, because of the deficiencies we have, because of the dysfunction that we possess. 
And he's like, before you ever came here, I addressed all of those issues. What shall we say in response to all these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I believe God is addressing condemnation and and self-judgment and an infliction of your feeling uh, despondent and disappointed. Things haven't gone the way you thought they should go. Maybe you're not where you wish you were at this season of your life. And I just want to say to you, that has nothing to do with it because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above beyond all we can ask or imagine. Understanding all these things, if God be for us, who can be against us? I don't know if you realize it or not, but Tracy's analogy about the air conditioning, I was Lucifer in that analogy. (laughs) I didn't appreciate that. (laughs) I mean, that just hit me in the middle of it. I'm thinking, don't listen to the devil. Wait, she's saying I'm the devil. We're going to talk about that later. Some people live in this framework of intellectual gridlock, and they never move past their own logic. But if you don't understand that you're called to worship God in spirit and in truth, then all you do is intellectually formulate your conclusions, and you just limit God to your understanding. But how many know God wants us to move beyond our understanding? This is why Evelyn Underhill said, if God were small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough to be worshipped. (laughs) If God were small enough to understand, he wouldn't be big enough to be trusted with your future. Do you trust God? You know, there's this, it's important that we're, um, that we embrace the full counsel of the word of God. Amen? We want to know what God's word says. And this element of trust that moves us beyond our comprehension, there's this mechanism that we see in the Bible. And, and, and it's sometimes, you know, not a popular topic to discuss, particularly in today's church, but it is an ongoing mechanism that we see in the Bible that constantly brings us back to the reality, do I trust God? Have I put God first? And this is the thing I want you to understand. Giving has always been a part of worship. Giving has always been a part of worship. And so we want people to understand that in the form of an expression of worship. We're not going to pass buckets and try and talk you out of your rent and mobile, you know. We want you to do this intentionally. We want you to do this from the heart. We want you to do it as an expression of worship. But what the Bible says about our tithe, this really important verse in Deuteronomy 14, 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. This is the purpose of tithing. So this mechanism exists. Every time you increase, then you come face to face with the reality that the God-given gifts that exist within my life have produced this increase, and now am I going to honor the Lord and trust Him, or am I not? Now, this having been said, there's something I just need to say to us as a family, and we need to understand it. Scams are at an all-time high. And there are a number of scam efforts that have happened that we as a church family have had to navigate through and the relational network of multiple churches that we work with facing very similar scenarios and situations. 
we have a precious saint among us who's so faithful, serves, gives, I mean, really just gives her heart to her church family. And um, she received a phone call. You, you've, uh, your bank's being debited for the services you requested. She said, I didn't ask for any services. She's on the phone. And they said, well, if you log in and your computer to your account will show you those services. Well, they had installed malware to her computer. And so when she logged in and put in her user ID and her password, they accessed her account, immediately changed her password, and this beautiful saint in her 70s had her life savings vanish that fast. And it was heartbreaking. This happened just within the last two weeks. So we as a church family do what we need to do. There are medications, there's gas, there's um, car insurance. I mean, all those things began to be a conversation and we just came immediately. And and I'm saying this to say, and I'm going to address the scam uh, again, but I'm saying this to say, when you're giving and you designate tithe and offering, offering can be benevolence and that's how we're helping a situation like that. How many of you believe we ought to do something? And we will because that's what we do, we're family. But when we're faithful to give, it empowers us then to be able to make that kind of a difference in the lives of those that you may not know what's going on and for sake of embarrassment, you don't want to be singled out when you walk through something along those lines or some other difficulty. So I encourage you, be faithful in your giving. And listen, be vigilant on these issues. Another person contacted me this week and said, Destiny, not our church, Destiny contacted their bank to put drafts against their bank account. We're not going to try and draft your account, (laughs) okay? And when they began to look at it, it caused a disruption of some of what they had set up, and then months of their giving had not uh, actually transpired, and, but thankfully they saw it, and they, weren't, they didn't lose any money in their situation. A few years ago, we, we, there were many churches this was happening. It happened with us. They, uh, these scammers would go on church websites. Get this. They go on church websites, and they find the small group leaders, the people who are committed to small group ministry. And then they make bogus email and text messages from the pastor or the pastor's wife. And then they reach out to these small group leaders and they say things like, I'm in a trauma situation in the emergency room and can't access my phone. Can you please grab these needs that we have? Perhaps just a car to give me the number and we can access that funds for this family that is in crisis and in need. Listen, if your bank... Or, and I'm just taking some time with this because this is an important coaching point for us as a family. If your bank, your church, or anybody else sends you a link and they want you to click it to accomplish something, then don't do that. Step back, call the number you know is the trusted number, and ask the question. Call our office, call your bank number, but don't click anything and move in that direction because they're just scammers are at an all-time high. So, Father, we pray for wisdom, (laughs) wisdom and discernment. Your word says in James 1 that when we ask you for wisdom, that you give it to us liberally when we bring that ask into an attitude of faith. So we receive that now in Jesus' mighty name, amen. I mean, you know, it does take trust. When we start talking about issues of our finance, it really does take trust. 
It's why it's such an important thing that God wants to deal with on our heart. You feel the sense of almost sacred even in this conversation we're having. Why? Because where your treasure is, your heart will go. And giving and honoring the Lord in that. It's a lot like the guy I heard, he was climbing the, the cliff, and he really tall cliff, got almost all the way to the top, and he's like about to reach the ledge and pull himself up, and as soon as he did, his foot slipped on the rock, and he started falling, and he grabbed this little tree that was barely rooted into the rock, and it was barely holding him, dangling there on the cliff, and he's hanging on, and he's, he's you know, other climbers, he's hoping somebody's up there that can just reach over and pull, he goes, is anybody up there? And he hears this booming voice from the top as he's hanging on. It says, I am. He's like, oh, God, Lord, is it you? And he said, it is. He says, oh, help me. I'm about to fall. And the Lord said, do you trust me? He said, of course, God, just help me, help me. And he goes, let go. And the climber says, is anybody else up there? <laughs> How many of you feel that way with the Lord? <laughs> Is there any other way that I can work this thing out and understand and comprehend and have confidence in my own abilities? That's what God is trying to deliver us from as we're looking at this type of things. The more we are exposed to the superiority of God, the easier it becomes to trust him. What shall we say in all these things, considering the vast superiority of God? If God be for us, who can be against us? We can truly trust him. That's why I want to point you to one more uh, idea. It's found in Isaiah 46.10. And it's where we understand God declares the end from the beginning. Isn't that interesting? He declares the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish my purpose. Now understand this, God from the beginning is declaring the end, therefore he's been to the end to declare the beginning, and then he's making his purposes come to pass, saying my counsel will stand and I will accomplish my purpose. God always begins with the end in mind. He went to the end of your life. You, you, just going to have to embrace the reality of God isn't limited to the span of time. He went to the end of your life and he said, this is who you're going to be. This is what you're going to do. And then he went back in the right place at the right time in the moment you would be born and he invited you then to participate in the eternal purposes of God. And when you give your life to Christ and you begin to respond to him, he then is drawing his purposes out. I know you make mistakes. I know you feel bad. Difficult things happen. But it's in those moments that we see this. My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purposes. Even in those moments. And it's just wild to start to think about this. But all things are working good because he's already positioned those things to work in your good to bring his eternal purposes to pass. How many of you, it's a brain strain? It is a brain strain. And largely, it's a brain strain because this is who God is, this is what God does. For us, the arrow of time moves one way, from past to present to future, right? That's the arrow of time. And then Jesus showed up, and what did he say? Before Abraham was, I am. It's like, wait, what? 
before he was, I am. I mean, how many of you know that just, that's not proper English? I'm sure Mr. Lowe could give us an English lesson on why that's not proper. Subject, verb, agreement. I mean, when you start throwing eternity into the mix, it messes all that up. Before he was, I am. Shouldn't he say before he was, I was before? But no, before he was, I am, because he's not limited to past, to present, to future, the way we are in our mind. This is why Ephesians 2, he raised us up with Christ and seated, past his us, with him in heavenly places. He foreknew us, he predestined us, he called us, he justified us, he glorified us. This is amazing. This is God. It's really not that far-fetched. There's a fancy word for it. It's called teleology. Teleology just means starting from the beginning with the end in mind. And I want to give you a good illustration of it. Here, Tracy and I were trying to buy a house, and we'd given up hope on buying a house. And she was trying to convince me we needed to build a house. I didn't want to build a house. I knew it was going to be crazy, and it was. But we, we decided to go for it. And so we took a piece of paper, and we drew uh, the house on the paper. There it is. That's the house. Isn't that beautiful? That is amazing. I mean, that's artistic ability at its finest. And, and then we took that sketch, and we took it to somebody and said, okay, put this down like a real person does. Notice Tracy's finger. I just want to point that out to you. Uh, the finger of instruction is going. And I know this finger all too well. I also know the finger of correction. I'm not going to talk to you about that one. Okay, we'll go on to the next. And we see, then they laid it all out. We were like, yeah, that's the layout. That's perfect. And then, and then they said, okay, here are the renderings. This is what the house is going to look like. And we were like, that's it. That's it. It is finished. And then it began. And the real work began. What happened? This is teleology. And, and I was not thrilled about this process, as you can tell. There's Chrissy helping us, picking out tile. We had to pick out everything we had to pick out. And the trace, oh my, I was just like, Lord, would you please help me? Just take me to heaven. This was really wild. This, the carpet was, uh, this was awful. And then, and, and you know, the, like, we're going to have a stove. I got to pick out the stove. And then the knobs, we had to pick the knobs. Notice, Tracy noticed I was doing this at this point. And the portfolio progression of these pictures ended right there. Because after that, I got the finger. And that was not. Not, not what I wanted to have. Do you get it? Jesus hanging on the cross. He said, it is finished. And then it began. Now the real work. The existence of humanity navigating through all of the emotion, all of the frustration, all of the condemnation, all of the mistakes, to explore and understand a greater revelation of the very grace of God, that no matter how bad it's been, His grace is better, no matter how disappointed you feel, you've not come where you thought you were supposed to be in this stage of life, you don't know what all has failed in my life, you don't know how I didn't... God says, listen, all these things consider, if God is for us, who can be against us? Because he is not confined in the midst of all this. I just want to say to you today, there is no force coming against you that compares to the power of God that is at work within you.
This week, we want to bring God's presence to real life. It's great to experience his love, isn't it? It's great to experience his word. We want to bring God's presence to real life. I want to ask you this week, be very purposeful about pressing in and going deeper. Pressing in and going deeper in regard to the thoughts of God. Turn the page. To memorize the Bible is to memorize the mind of God. It's crazy. Like, this is such a treasure. Be devoted to reading scripture. I'm going to encourage you, if you have even a remote thought, maybe you have your devotions in the morning, you have a remote thought in the afternoon or evening, just go and decide, I'm going to read a book of the Bible. Can you imagine? A whole book. Like, what, what, what comes alive within us as human beings interacting with the author of this book by sitting down and saying, Lord Jesus, I want to hear your voice. I want to study your mind. I want to experience your goodness. I just want you to know, the worship team, if you all would come, this last week I was reading some really boring scripture. <laughs> Have you ever read any boring scripture? Anybody here? I mean, it's like you come up here and you paint this picture like, this is going to be fantastic. This is going to be amazing. And then you start reading, it's like five cubits by 25 cubits and 54 cubits. And it's like, what? And I'm reading this in Ezekiel. We, you know, we do the turn the page, encourage everybody, start in the book of Genesis every day, turn one page, write the date at the top of the page, maybe put a little prayer in the margin, something. And you'll go all the way through scripture. And when you get to the boring parts, and I, I mean, I, I'm sorry if that's offensive, but there are just some parts you just don't get. Some parts you're reading, and it's like 120,000 tribes go to this side, and 180,000 tribes go to that side, and 150,000 tribes, you know, people in the tribes go to that side, 150,000 go to that side. Just like, what does that even mean? Here's the thing. As I was reading some of this this last week in Ezekiel, I felt like the whole, because I was there, and I was just like, okay, Lord, I want to get through Genesis to Revelation. I'm doing it again. And I'm going to stay the course. And even if my mind's not understanding, I know I'm feeding my spirit if I'm interacting with God. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, whisper my word as you read it. And as I was reading 50 cubits by 50 cubits to the south, I felt like the Lord was saying, you are whispering eternity into existence even within your own life and legacy. And I began to have an encounter with God by simply reading his word out loud. 120,000 people, 180,000 people, 150,000 people, 150,000 people. Do you understand like that's really fascinating what I just said? Because even though you don't understand it, what I actually just pointed out is when, when they were told to camp around the, uh, the tabernacle, 120,000 people here, 180,000 more here. 150,000, 150,000. That is the form of a cross from the perspective of God looking down at the tabernacle. This stuff is fascinating. Come on, even when you think it's boring, it's not. You understand? God's been setting you up the whole time to pay attention to the deeper reality of the superior perspective of deity, even though the inferior perspective of humanity tries to talk you out of it. Come on, break out of that. Let's go deeper. Let's press in. There's something valuable about our gathering like this. And I just want to point out, you're going to begin to hear a little more. 
in September, on the 9th and 10th, we're going to host a marriage retreat. In October um, 6th through 8th, we're going to be a part of a men's retreat. Some of you went to that last year. And I just felt as I was praying over this that we need to understand something. God's doing something eternally beyond what we can comprehend and understand. How many of you know um, Joshua served God with all of his heart? What you might not realize is he had 13 generations of servants of the Lord that followed him. 13 priesthood generations. Like his, his son, his grandson, his great-grandson. and thirteen. Gen- How many of you want to see 13 generations of blessing in marriage in your life? 13 generations of men of God, women of God in your life. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, this is about an eternal perspective he's beginning to introduce. And I believe there are things that actually impact our children. This is not just about, let's try and get our marriages together. Let's, let's, you know, prop them up a little bit. I'm talking about something generationally that we need to come together in a perspective of the revelation of Christ that releases to seven generations after us that we'll never even see, but marriages will be strong as a result. I'm talking about men that will serve God with their whole heart, seven generations after us, 13 generations after us, because we're gathering together with the purposeful intention of knowing the heart of God Almighty. I just believe the Lord wants to take us into a deeper reality than what we've ever understood and what we've ever known. I have so much in my heart right now, I want to just blah out to you. And next week, I'm going to focus in on this, the power of this superior reality and how to embrace and translate it as we continue in this focus of algorithm. And I believe our lives are going to be transformed where we actually start to value the things that God values rather than the thing that commercial church world has valued. Come on. And the Lord's going to awaken a deeper reality of what he's desiring for us to press into. And, and we don't have it figured out. We're still on this journey and we're never going to have it figured out or else we'll become prideful. We'll just stay humble before the Lord. I'd rather be a novice in the new than an expert in the old. Let's just grow together. Come on. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Guilt, shame, condemnation. There's three slithering enemies that are to be exposed and defeated and destroyed. Raise your hands if you're dealing with any of those guilt, shame, or condemnation. Just hold your hands up there. Father, we just break this off now in the name of Jesus. Intentional decisions maybe that some of us have made. Perpetual decisions that some of us have made. Heinous circumstances that some of us have suffered at the hands of others. I just believe today there's something significant about the notice you are surfing on the enemy in these arenas that we could really be a part of the process of becoming the sons and daughters of God without any inhibition coming into the throne room of God boldly bringing a strong ask learning what it is to pray and pursue the very heart of God I pray, Lord, you to help us. Help us to walk with greater awareness and sensitivity to you. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father.
for the supernatural work you're doing right now in this moment, the supernatural work you're doing, unlocking hearts, minds, emotions in Jesus' mighty name, unlocking, defeating the enemy in ways that he's not been defeated perhaps in some of our lives before. Suddenly we start to escape into a place of running in great freedom in the Lord our God because something supernatural began to transact within us. Just like somebody would physically go from sick to health in a, a miracle of healing. I declare that right now emotionally, mentally, and in every way spiritually, Lord, over all of our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. I want to lead you all in a declaration. We give thanks to the Lord our God who sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross to redeem all humanity. When we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins. His blood shed on the cross so that we might have life is a reality and we acknowledge today Jesus is the Savior of all humanity. We need Him as our personal Savior and we need to learn to walk with Him as the Lord of our life. Come on, if you believe that prayer, why don't you give Him praise and celebration right now. We just celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they'll make their way to the back. We're going to take just a few moments. I used to be more apologetic about this. It's like, well, you're finished preaching. It's time to go. This is not about you getting what you're supposed to get and then getting out of here. You understand? We're on assignment together. I want to ask, will you take what God's awakening in your heart right now and let's join together as a force to declare it into the atmosphere. We're going to take just a few moments of worship. If there's anything that our prayer team can be praying with you about right now, then as we worship, then I invite you to go back and find the prayer team. The giving stations are at the back. The communion is right here in the middle. Have some interaction with God. Maybe it's just standing where you are and lifting your hands and opening your heart. But would you engage with the Lord your God? Father, we bring the offering of our lives and we say we don't really even know how to do this all that effectively. But what we do know is that Jesus is alive and we're becoming more and more who you've designed us to become as we allow you Lord to awaken things within us the world around us will be transformed in Jesus mighty name come on let's worship the Lord our God